0: about which league got its highest-rated-ever game on US TV, what the CBS Serie A deal means for ESPN Plus and Peacock, latest news on where you can watch Copa America this summer, will ESPN Plus now go for Premier League after losing Serie A? Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside co-host... Kartik Krishnayer Kartik it's good to have you back. Uh, we took a week off and I think both you and I uh, were probably in the same boat in some ways. I was just exhausted I mean this has been it seems like since the coronavirus has started it's been 12 months so 12 months and with the way that the games have been scheduled in these last 12 months, it, it's enduring. Enduring. It's 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 a it's like a marathon. A lot of the games stacked uh, one after the other. Uh, oftentimes, I mean, not that I'm complaining at by any means, but oftentimes watching three to four games back to back to back, as well as covering uh, you mean covering the space, running the site, doing the podcast. I was just exhausted and I needed a break. And I, I think the same for you, right, Kartik?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I've been really worn down if I'm honest with you uh because of the the constant matches you know I, and sometimes I think that there's a Monday off or, or or a Thursday off and there isn't and you you look at the fixture list oh there's a game in Serie A today oh right there's a Premier League match and and Fridays the Bundesliga is the only league that's kept what their normal kind of flow of matches right um it's been and that also helps because they have four they have four less fixture dates but um yeah, it's been exhausting. Uh, I would say the Premier League and Serie A being the two great abusers. I, actually, the French League, too. Their league fixtures oh, popping up all over the place, Tuesdays, uh, Wednesdays. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's worn us down. And I think it's something that maybe will help us in the future uh, deal, cope with what's going to happen in the cutter year, because that year is going to be nonstop. Mm-hmm. right there's going to be football every single day i 'm talking about the, the year that the Qatar world cup twenty twenty two takes place the uh the the winter World cup uh, because I think we're going we 're going to start we 're going to lose a lot of our summer break and we 're going to be playing every day virtually
0: and that 's the thing too about uh, taking a break for a week, recharging the batteries and then coming back at it right now uh we 're in the international break uh, international games are under and lo and behold, news breaks like crazy this week, which which we knew this was happening. Uh, we've been covering a lot of these topics for what, a couple of months, if not more, several weeks at least, talking about the latest uh, developments regarding Serie A and La Liga and the Premier League and uh, CBS involved in, in a lot of this, as well as, of course, ESPN and M- NBC, you name it. It's been nonstop. Um, this is going to be a massive year. Uh, I've said that before, I'll say it again, but uh, th- this is just the tip of the iceberg. But first, let's talk about uh, the news that uh, broke this week, and that is that Param- Paramount Plus has acquired the rights to Serie A and Coppa Italia uh, for the next three seasons. So that'll start up in August and will go on for three more seasons. Uh, it means that ESPN Plus's um, coverage of Serie A will end, uh, I think, May 23rd, I think, is the date of that. And Serie A is uh, receiving, well, will be receiving from CBS and Paramount+, Plus, roughly about $75 million per season. Uh, How does that break down, Kartik? in terms of that that value? Is is that, you mean, kind of uh, higher than expected or disappointment? What's your take on that?
1: That's more than the Bundesliga is getting. However... Um, I, I think that it's uh, if you look at how much the IMG bundle was last time uh, it and, and I know Serie A says it's a 30 percent increase, which uh, I and there's no question that the value of Serie A has increased because of its few seasons on ESPN. In addition to Ronaldo being in the league, in addition to the league becoming more competitive, I would argue it was probably the best league to watch in Europe after the restart last year. Prior to that, I would say the Bundesliga was. And then this season in Europe, I think it's it's been clearly the most uh Volatile at the top, most competitive at the top, in spite of uh, uh, Premier League fanboys trying to say, oh, 10 teams have led the Premier League at some point. In reality, it's not even a competitive league at the top. But um, I think Serie A's profile has increased. Some of that is due to ESPN. Um, no question. Having the rights, I think some of it is just kind of the natural um, cyclical nature of, of, what leagues are on top, what leagues are are, 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 garnering interest. So they got more per year than the Bundesliga gets, but the Bundesliga, by making a six-year commitment to ESPN in this last rights deal, I think, uh, and this is, this is something that's very different between European, uh, sports culture and American sports culture, Ameri- or the broadcast culture, American league, uh, leagues, uh, professional leagues and college conferences tend to negotiate five to 10 year contracts. Whereas European football leagues, European soccer leagues, and even same thing, rugby, even in darts, all of these things tend to be in three year right cycles. So, uh, on the surface, they got more money out of it, but they didn't get the same. They didn't get the long term commitment. So that's, uh, I, I'm writing an article actually, as we speak, which might be on, uh, might be published by the time some of you listen to this, uh, on worldsoccertalk.com that that's going to address, uh, what really needs to happen now for Serie A to, to, to kick it to that next level uh, in the US now that they have a new partner and maybe a more willing partner, but also a partner that they've only signed for three years.
0: Yeah, the way I look at it, Kartik is that uh, this is a breakup. This is a breakup. This was, uh, There was a romance that happened. Uh, ESPN was in love with Serie A. Serie A was uh, relatively in love with ESPN. but But the last few months... The last, well, two weeks especially, it see, seemed to be that uh, the Bundesliga was getting more love. They were getting more games on television. You get a, a game, I mean, De classica from the Bundesliga on ABC. Uh, perfect opportunity at the end of that broadcast to say, hey, check out, just go to ESPN, I think two, I think it was, or ESPN Plus uh, in the next 20 minutes and you've got a UV game, kind of a top of the table clash, go check it out, go watch it, it's going to be a great game. You didn't, you didn't get any of that. So we were sensing a little bit of, actually quite a lot of, and we were hearing from some, some of our sources that um, people attached to the league um, and to the league's broadcast felt that the Bundesliga was getting more love than what Serie A was getting, which is true. Absolutely. And I think in many ways, that this breakup is actually probably a good opportunity for a Serie A to go out on their own uh, with CBS. And from what we've seen with what CBS has done thus far on the Champions League, on NWSL, on the Europa League, they've really, in some ways, rejuvenated some of those uh, broadcasts. They've They've brought in different people. Uh, They've given it a lot more exposure. Uh, The Europa League broadcasts, just as one example, probably have never been loved as much uh, by U.S. uh, television broadcasters in terms of the amount of resources, time, commitment, energy, pre-match, post-match, half-time. Europa League is, is a good example of that. Champions League 2, of course, as as, as is uh, NWSL. So I think in many ways for ESPN, it would have been very difficult for them to give the same type of um, reach and exposure and love uh, that they gave to um, the Bundesliga as they would give it to Serie A. Oftentimes the Serie A games, you had one game a week, oftentimes, and it was early on a Sunday morning. It might have been a 7.30 uh, kickoff or, or an 8 o'clock kickoff. And it might have been on ESPN EU or sometimes ESPN Two, and from time to time we saw that last season. We saw uh, with the coronavirus happening, and then some of the games in the Italian league uh, at that time were supposed to be on on television. That didn't happen. So I think I think in many ways, I mean, it's 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 actually probably a good deal for Serie A. It's actually a good deal for ESPN. I think who gets left out here are the ESPN Plus subscribers. The ones that have grown to love that service, that love watching Serie A, it's a great league. I mean, it really is. It really is a top-level league with some great uh, football on display. And uh, it's different. It's different than the other leagues. It's different. It has a different identity than the Premier League, than La Liga, than the Bundesliga, than MLS. You name it, it has a different identity. And I've grown to uh, love it more and more uh, over the last three years that ESPN has had it as well as having great uh, commentators, Mark Donaldson, uh, Matteo Bonetti um, and Janusz Mihaljevic and and, and Ross Dyer and others that have uh, been on those broadcasts. But I think the timing was right. And I think this is something which which ESPN tried to get the the rights to this. So the rights, uh, the actual bidding process, they went through two rounds. Uh, According to my sources, um, CBS were well ahead uh, from the first bid. But in the second bid um, is where ESPN thought that they had a chance to get it. They, they felt more confident that they might have gotten it. Ultimately, the league decided to go with CBS, presumably because they offered more money, uh, presumably because they've probably put together a more impressive package uh, in terms of what they're going to do uh, with this league, um, with it being on CBS. And, and, of course, most of those games are going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, We still don't know all the details yet as far as Spanish language uh, versions of the games and Italian language versions of the games. More details will be soon out there on on, uh, worldsoccertalk.com, I'm sure. But, Kartik, what's your take on it? Do you you feel it's kind of a a happy breakup?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Serie A was looking for a partner that might... Uh, promote them more, and and, and might uh, give them the so, sort of uh, level of promotion that um, they that the Premier League has gotten on NBC, and that um, that the Bundesliga is now getting on, on on ESPN. The thing I have to point out is that the Serie A has been kind of the ugly stepchild uh, everywhere it's been in, in broadcast in the US, which is another thing that that you know, some of you might see this article I'm writing for World Soccer Talk by the time you listen to this, but uh, it'd be in There was a lot of unhappiness uh, among my sources uh, that uh, VN basically was was treating Serial like a throwaway and was actually even using um, uh, how they would have a programming about La Liga leading into Serial matches. And then after the Serial match hit full time, uh, they would uh, have another show about La Liga. And then uh, some of the big Serial matches were being preempted. Because there would be a La Liga match on, and it wasn't. Oh, they were preempting. Uh, they, they were preempting matches for uh, El Clásico. They were preempting uh, Derby Day Italia, uh, Juve and Inter for uh, like Getafe and Atleti. Right, that, that was mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. So ESPN was a better situation for them than Vn, and uh, they were very happy with the arrangement at first. But then, as you mentioned, our sources. Well, I have sources who told me the same thing that have told you that they were. Uh, uh, struck by uh, the amount of promotion that was given to the Bundesliga. And, and quite honestly, uh, if I'm in MLS shoes, I'm also kind of uh, bothered by it, that ESPN has had MLS. Now, we, we, you and I both got a release as we taped uh, on Wednesday night, uh, the, the 24th, we both got a release from ESPN today about uh, touting MLS and on ABC, they're showing five games on broadcast television, et cetera, et cetera. They promote to the, to the sports media, uh, a lot of MLS stuff, but they never really kind of promoted MLS. It could be argued in the macro fashion that they have the Bundesliga this year. Um, so I, I guess that that puts Sarri on in a position where uh, this will probably be a happier marriage given what we've seen CBS already do in terms of promoting Champions League and in terms of promoting NWSL. I, I, I do have to say, though, as CBS picks up more and more properties, and we're going to talk a little more about that on this show, additional properties, it's not just Serie A they're picking up uh, in this period, that that probably dilutes the, their ability to market each of these things individually in in maybe the fashion Serie A is hoping. So um, unless... Uh, there's a network TV component to this, and I, I think maybe we can discuss that as well. Um, it may end up looking the same. I don't think it'll look any worse than it did on ESPN, but it may end up looking the same. It may not be the uh, the, the huge upgrade that Serie is probably hoping for.
0: That's the thing, though, Kartik, is a lot of these broadcasters have relationships with the the sports leagues. And over time, they get to know each other a little bit better in terms of uh, what they provide and what they offer. So, so for example, like um, the Bundesliga, many years ago was on Gold TV. Now, if you're a hardcore Bundesliga fan, you love Goal TV. You, you tune in every Saturday and Sunday and watch the games. And there wasn't a lot of uh, other games going on that would bump those broadcasts. But, but, but ultimately, Goal TV is a smaller. Broadcaster, they're not going to get you into the homes of mass mainstream America. So after leaving Gold TV, uh, the Bundesliga rights went to Fox. And at Fox, I think Fox promised a lot. Fox, I think, he is, um, but the Bundesliga got really captivated and really uh, excited about the, the possibilities of what Fox could provide. And I remember interviewing one of the, um, I think, the DFL executives uh, before Fox's coverage started of the Bundesliga, and he was really, really positive, really, really excited. And I asked him, I said, like, well, aren't you concerned about Fox's level of coverage and the the not the greatest at uh, covering soccer um, for hardcore fans? And he kind of dismissed it and said, no, no, don't worry. I mean, Fox is going to be great. And I think over time, um, they learned the hard way. There was positives, there were negatives. But at the end of that um, relationship, uh, of the of uh, you mean Fox having the rights to the Bundesliga, uh, I was in Germany and the the Bundesliga CEO mentioned in in uh, in answer to me in a press conference, saying how dissatisfied he was with Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga. So so it does take time, and the same thing with Serie A. Serie A has gone through kind of you mean these relationships with the the, the different networks from you mean like you said too they've been with Fox they've been with. Uh, a whole bunch of different I mean, in sports, and as they go along, I, I think the Bundesliga is in a better place today because, with ESPN. I think the Serie A will be in a better place with CBS, and I think NBC still, with the Premier League still, as of today, that's still a good place. So it takes time to find that good fit where they work in partnership and they get the, bo- the best out of each other. Um, for ESPN+, Plus, though, Karthik, this is definitely this is definitely a blow, right? I mean, because like ESPN Plus is really positioning themselves as the collection, the go-to place for soccer. So everything you name it, I'm not going to go down the list, uh, but there's so many rights that they have, and Serie A was a major part of that. You I mean, if you like the German league, you like the Italian league, you like the the Dutch league, you like the MLS. You go down the list and combine all those things together. Serie A was definitely a key component of of that mix. Now that has gone, you have to wonder, ESPN, there's a hole there. And and Disney, uh, ESPN Plus, Disney has the money to spend. They have massive uh, goals this year to double the number of uh, subscribers from what they have currently, which is, I think, about 11 million. They want to reach, I think, about 24 million by the end of the year. I have to wonder, Kartik, if, if this mean, if losing Serie A means that they uh, double down on trying to get uh, La Liga or the Premier League or both. But you, yes, is, is it possible? Yep.
1: Yeah, you have to look at it two ways. Okay, so so people are arguing online with me as we speak on Twitter that ESPN still has by far a larger portfolio than, than CBS. They have more leagues. They have college soccer. They have USL. They have all of these. They have the Indian Super League. They have the Chinese Super League. They have uh, the A League in Australia. Okay, they have a greater collection of, uh, of rights, portfolio of rights. But let's take, let's say, the top nine leagues in terms of what we would think are, are, could, could drive metrics in the U.S., uh, the five uh, big European leagues, MLS, which is on ESPN, um, the, the Liga Emekis, and then the two uh, very recognizable South American leagues. Now, if you look at that uh, and then Champions League, if you look at uh, UEFA Champions League, if you look at that um, – Of those top like ten maybe needle movers, potential needle movers, CBS is actually in better shape than ESPN. True. Um, Right. Which is very hard if you think of it that way. Which I don't think people are you know they're just looking at at, 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 on a sheet of paper. Okay, they have thirty properties. CBS has five or six. But CBS does all have some some value associated with them. Right. Mm -hmm. They have NWSL. They have the Champions League. They're going to have Seriano. The Argentine League, our our friend John Tannenwald uh, with with the Philly Inquirer thinks that that could be a game changer. Uh, And uh, I I think there is a possibility. I think it's a league that's always the league itself has had a lot of financial difficulties. uh, But now getting the right U.S. partner being on English language. and then the Brasilero, which we, we don't know the details yet, but we do know CBS has acquired the English language rights. And, and uh, their calendar is a little different, so uh, I'm sure it will get announced maybe during the state league tournaments over the summer or over the early summer. We'll, by that time, we'll know what CBS's plans are. So I think this puts La Liga squarely in... Well, you asked about the Premier League or La Liga, right? So yep. um, it puts both squarely in focus, but I think let's talk about what's right on the horizon. We know Premier League bidding is, is, is likely to, to take place now and, and conclude maybe over the summer. The La Liga thing, and, and I have to go back to your, your reporting late last year, Chris, uh, the La Liga thing could be imminent. And maybe, maybe this just had to happen to, 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 to close the loop.
0: Yeah, it's so difficult because it's one of those things that I, I keep on hearing more and more um, from my sources, attached to La Liga and attached to um, let, let me let me just say soccer in the United States because I, I don't want to give away my sources. But but that that's La Liga a deal to get La Liga away from being sports and to go to another um, provider. So whether it's an ESPN or a CBS seems to be imminent. But the challenge is is that nobody wants to talk on on the record. So be in sports definitely would not say anything about this. Uh, Neither would ESPN, who I've reached out to, and as I've reported, uh, said no comment, uh, go to Relevant, who handles their rights in the United States. And uh, it's practically, I mean, they're not really talking much either. So nobody's talking about it. But behind the scenes, from my sources, I continue to hear more and more scuttlebutt about that this looks imminent. Um, The challenge with this is that BN Sports has the rights of La Liga until 2024. And it's a complex deal. It's a global deal. And it is something that uh, if an ESPN or a CBS or somebody else came in and said, hey, BN Sports, is there any way possible that we can get the rights to La Liga uh, or figure out a way to maybe sub-license some of the games to us, whatever it takes. And you I mean there, ha- there have been discussions between ESPN and um, and and, uh, and La Liga. I know that. So where that goes, how long it takes. Um, and, and the involvement of the lawyers and also trying to figure out who pays who and if this happens. Because if this does happen, what does this mean for being in sports? Does that mean they're out of business? Or does that mean that they continue for the next couple of years showing Ligue 1 or a Turkish Super League? But having said all that, though, too, that's a possibility. If ESPN Plus was able to go ahead and find a way somehow to get La Liga, to get La, La Liga rights for the next few years – and that would be something that would replace Serie A. And if anything, really, it would be a step up, right? Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atleti, Villarreal, Valencia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the challenge is, is Leo Messi? I mean, will he still be at Barcelona next season? Uh, but it's the same challenge that CBS has with uh, Ronaldo, with Serie A. I mean, is he going to be at uh, at Juventus uh, I mean, two years from now, you, you never know; things can happen. But, um, but the other part of it, though, Kartik, is um, with the Premier League. So, we're recording this on Wednesday night. On Thursday, the Premier League is going to have a, a meeting with all the uh, the club chairman, and one of the topics that will come up is talking about broadcast deals and uh, for the next uh, three years. So, not only broadcast deals for the United States, but also around the world. I mean, UK, elsewhere, etc and i 'm sure that 's something that 's going to be a pretty fast moving object that 's something that they 'll want to go ahead and tackle pretty quickly, um, so it may happen before the summer um, we 'll have to wait and see again the clubs are looking for extra money they want uh, they want to know how much more money is is going to be coming in from these new TV deals because I mean they lost a lot of money last year, and you know, not that they 're desperate but they definitely want more money at the same time too there 's also Still, the talk about European Super League. So some of these top clubs, Manchester United, Liverpool, etc., really, really are pressuring the Premier League uh, to try to get uh, as much money back as possible through TV deals. Um, so that could happen too, and that's quite possible. Is that um, if the Premier League wants to, if they want to open up and have a a bidding war between ESPN Plus, Paramount Plus and NBC slash Peacock, that could be the bidding wars of all bidding wars because you know that all three of those would... Having the Premier League, even though it's not the best league in the world, it's probably it's the most popular English-language league uh, soccer in the United States. So it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge get. If Paramount Plus got that, it's a game-changer. If ESPN Plus got that, it's a game-changer. If Peacock renews for another three years... That's not a game changer, but that's a big, big deal. And then then there's always the the possibility of somebody else. So I think that's the thing with the Serie A deal is it's a big deal because it puts uh, Paramount Plus in a comfortable position now. Now that they have a big uh, league under their belt, a club league week in, week out for the next three years, and uh, it makes ESPN Plus a little bit uneasy. They're probably thinking, okay, wow, uh, Paramount Plus is a major competitor now, a formidable competitor, the first formidable competitor that ESPN Plus has really faced in the last two to three years when, you mean, Paramount Plus didn't exist and CBS wasn't carrying uh, soccer. Um, so it, this, it, this could be a massive, massive uh, next few months with both La Liga and the Premier League and ESPN Plus, possible. I mean, it is quite a possibility that they will go in big time. They have the money. Um, it's A lot of it depends on the Premier League, what they want. And then don't forget, Kartik, like, like you mentioned too, I mean, with Paramount Plus, they've got the Argentine League now, they've got Copa Argentina, they've got the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, they've got the Brazilian League, um, Champions League, Europa League, NWSL, uh, Conference League, and it's probably a couple more we're forgetting about. So you're right, though, as far as the quantity. Well, actually, quality-wise. So I think you could argue that Paramount Plus has the the more has the better quality of soccer coverage than ESPN Plus. ESPN, ESPN Plus, yeah, definitely, they have the quantity. They have. I mean, if you love the German league, you I mean you've got every single game. You've got all those other leagues too. Quantity there, value for the money is fantastic with both ESPN Plus and Paramount Plus. And then there's Peacock that seems to be pretty quiet. You don't hear uh, NBC getting involved in a lot of these discussions in terms of trying to get more rights to more leagues. They seem pretty comfortable with the Premier League. And don't forget that um, the uh, Peacock, or actually NBC Universal is owned by Comcast, uh, the same Comcast that owns Sky Sports in the UK, and that's the same Sky Sports that has a, a virtual monopoly of, uh, of the rights to the Premier League in the UK. And I'm sure that Sky Sports will want to continue that relationship, uh, as would NBC Sports in, the, in this country, too. So it could be a cozy, comfortable rela- relationship, but maybe mo- I mean, at the end of the day, money talks. And I think that could be the, the big difference here. All right, Kartik, let's talk about, let's move on to Copa America and uh, I'll have you lead off with the news.
1: Yeah, so uh, as uh, most of you probably know by now, uh, Copa America uh, for this summer will be on uh, the Univision family of networks. uh, Uh, The the, the coverage is branded as 2DNA, uh, but this includes matches uh, not just on 2DNA, but on Unimas and on Univision and uh, maybe presumably some matches uh, on on, on Galavision as well. Um, The the, the deal gives uh, access to all 28 matches from this summer's uh, uh, tournament, including uh, 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 everything all the way uh, from from, from, uh, uh, group stage to the finals. Uh, Additional comedy ball events, uh, women's Copa America and the men's Olympic qualifiers uh, for for comedy ball. Uh, By the way, uh, uh, great numbers just on uh, uh, streaming uh, for the uh, for for the uh, uh, women's uh, Copa Libertadores. So um, the women's game is also growing in South America, just like it's growing in in, in Europe and and, uh, it's already been big in the north in North America. Uh, So uh, this is uh, the crown jewel. Uh, a, uh, of, uh, of South American football, and um, Univision is very happy to have uh, secured its return to Univision. They had, they had uh, uh, lost the rights and uh, uh, it 's it's important for them in their battle with Telemundo, uh, Chris, because what Telemundo has been able to do, NBC Universal alone to Telemundo, uh, is catapult themselves to being the number one uh, Spanish language channel. Based on getting summer tournaments like the Copa America and obviously the FIFA tournaments which NBC Universal has the Spanish language rights to uh, in this country uh, to to surpass Univision even though kind of on a day to day basis Univision ha- tends to have higher ratings mm-hmm. but Telemundo has had these huge summer tournaments that have catapulted them to the number one spot. So this is, uh, I think, not just from a soccer perspective or a sports perspective, just a general network perspective, programming perspective, really an important uh, event for Univision to, to, to take back these rights.
0: Yeah, it's, gonna, it's going to be a big summer for Univision because when you think about it, um, they have Euro 2020, which is happening at the same, well, the same calendar as Copa America. So you'll have Euro 2020 games in the I mean, late morning, early afternoon, mid-afternoon, followed by Copa America um, during the evening and later into the night for a whole month. And then once that's over, uh, almost the day after it ends, I think it is the day after it ends, uh, the Gold Cup starts up and Univision has those rights too. So they've got two months of back-to-back soccer practically every single day. Uh, Before those those two-month periods begins, you have the Champions League, Going into that, they've got MLS games. Um, for Univision, this is going to be massive. I mean, Telemundo will have, I'm sure, uh, coverage of the Summer Olympics and uh, some of those games too. But uh, but to me, I mean, the Copa America is where it's at. And uh, at the same time, though, too, with Copa America, no news yet on the English language rights. So um, we're covering that one closely to see who gets those rights. The challenge is, though, is that uh, if you're a broadcaster in the U.S. and you're offered the Copa America rights uh, in English, first of all, the vast majority of that audience, of the audience, is going to watch those games in Spanish language on Univision. And then, so what you have left is the English language audience, which might be, which many of those might watch it on Univision anyway, because of the atmosphere and and, uh, just how how great their their coverage is, even if you don't uh, understand or speak the language. Um, And at the same time, it's for the English language audience. It's at in that same calendar month again as Euro twenty twenty. So I wonder with this one if the Copa America English language rights, if anyone picks them up. And if if somebody does pick them pick them up, hopefully they can get them for a bargain because uh, it doesn't make sense to pay a lot of money for them when Univision's going to have the majority of the, the TV ratings. MLS uh, announced their schedule for the rest of the season uh, on Wednesday. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about this one because we'll have a full story at worldsoccertalk.com on the homepage as well as the MLS TV schedule um, on the site too for every single game. But... Um, some, some big games, there's some, there's some double headers on ABC, uh, which is impressive, I think that's in, in May, and uh, you've got your LA Galaxy against uh, LAFC, uh, El Trafico on a, on a Saturday night, prime time uh, on Over the Air Fox. Um, so far, going through the schedule from what I've seen, and I haven't had a chance to finish going through the entire schedule yet, but it's the same old same old it's it's you're not going to see a Colorado Rapids or a Real Salt Lake home game uh, on national television it's still going to be your I mean the new teams will be you mean Austin FC uh, FC Cincinnati but then mostly it's it's Miami it's LA it's New York it seems to be more focused on the TV markets rather than say the teams rather than trying to uh, have some parity which which is ironic uh, but but rather than having some of the teams like the San Jose or some of these other teams that play some good attacking soccer. Atlanta is another example, too, of a team in a major TV market that is uh, all over the, the national broadcasts. All right, Kartik, TV ratings. Um, this is something I teased in the opening, and that is uh, uh, news about which league got its highest-rated game ever on U.S. television, and it's the Bundesliga. Uh, Bayern Munich against Dortmund. Now, this happened what, a few weeks ago. Now, by the time we're, we're uh, talking about it, but still, it's still timely. Uh, that match that was on ABC did five hundred seventy-six thousand uh, for the viewership on this one, which is the Bundesliga's highest-rated game ever in the US. I think the highest-rated they got on Fox was, if I believe, if I remember correctly, is about four hundred and four hundred seventy, like four hundred fifty thousand to four hundred seventy thousand uh, for a game that was on Fox. But uh, out of the gates, right? Um, ESPN's relationship with the Bundesliga is paying off for the Bundesliga, Kartic.
1: Yeah, I, I, I look. What ESPN has done is different than what everybody else does these days with soccer, and it's kind of what I had envisioned when I start when I started at the NASL eleven years ago with our uh, our television, and we actually did. Um, things to build kind of the context of the league before we put games on on tv which was goal tv was our tv partner at the time we did uh, a number of magazine shows which uh, our friend Juan Arango uh, hosted along with uh, Andres Cordero and George Metalis, two pretty big names now uh, who may not have been asked big names then but uh, big names on on BN um, and uh, what ESPN has done is that they have built the context around the Bundesliga uh, on television, while showing all these games on ESPN Plus and streaming, so they have worked the, the Bundesliga into Sports Center. They have worked Bundesliga into their apps. They have uh, uh, sort of integrated this league more than any soccer property or any soccer club property. They've had in the past, obviously, when they've had World Cups and Euros, they've done a knock-up job. But uh, into kind of the daily conversations around ESPN. Then they put a game on ABC after they had done that. And I think that that's why you see that that, that bump in ratings versus on Fox. They would you know, Fox showed a number of games on Fox Network television, right? One year they showed five or six matches, I yep. think. Yep. Uh, it, it, but they would just throw the match on. There would be no promotion. Uh, there would be no context built around it. Uh, it was very lazily done. In fact, uh, I mean, we, we, we would uh, uh, note that the that the studio would say FS1, uh, whether it was on Fox uh, over the air, FS1 or FS2. <laughs> no, right. it was. There was no real effort uh, made. So this match, they also led in with SportsCenter, which we didn't get in our market. Uh, and look, also there were ABC affiliates, I'm sure, in the, around the country that didn't show the game. I, I, I experienced that in South Florida. So. Um, really impressive number, um, and this is another thing to think about. The number was pretty comparable to the numbers you get for regular season college basketball games these days on CBS and uh, and Fox, uh, Fox Network, and was uh, – not that far off what the premier league is generally doing in that same time slot. It was lower, but it wasn't, it wasn't as significantly low. The gap between the premier league and the Bundesliga, which looked massive when the Bundesliga was on Fox and the premier league was on NBC and was actually at that time, maybe getting more consistently high numbers than it is now. Um, doesn't look quite as wide. Uh, this is one game. It's one data point. I get that. But, um, I think it's a pretty significant number if if I if I have to be uh, frank about it. E- even though it's one data point, I think it's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, the the other thing too about um, ESPN uh, Plus, and actually actually was it ESPN or be ESPN 2 but this past was it Monday or Sunday, um, ESPN did about 45 minutes of pre-game for a a big Serie A match and you had Jurgen Klinsmann, you had uh, Alessandro uh, Del Piero who is who is really good great great communicator has a sense of humor uh Dan Thomas did a great job of uh, making him laugh but also make, making him entertaining asking, asking some good questions and um and he had uh, gab McCarty so they did about a forty five minute um, pre game build up for uh for the game that happened and and it was well done it was really well done and and that 's something too, even with the Draclassica. Uh, post-match on ESPN+, Plus, they had a post-match show where it was Kay Murray and Taylor, Taylor Twelman went into a lot of detail, kind of recapping the game, talking about some of the high points, low points, etc. cetera. Uh, it wasn't one of those things with Fox where as soon as the game is over, 90 minutes, okay, up, up, uh, okay, the end of the broadcast, okay, now we're moving on to, I don't know, NASCAR or something else, whatever it, what, whatever yeah, it yeah, would be. Yeah. So... um so the the shame of it is is that ESPN was starting to do a lot more, showing some signs that they're wanting to, to help out or do more for Serie A. Uh, it was a little bit too late, unfortunately. But um, but overall, I think um,
1: this. But I would also point out that you know they did this earlier in the season when when before this rights uh, negotiation had started there was uh, one match I can't remember and maybe it was the the Milan Derby or maybe it was I, I think it was actually like Juve Napoli where um, I even tweeted 10 minutes into the program uh, that they're doing more analysis in this pre-match show with Dan Thomas hosting and, and with the the, the, the the same people you were mentioning they didn't have Del Piero at, at that point they had Jurgen Klinsmann uh, in, in the studio but um Then NBC had done the whole day on the Premier League, right? (laughs) You know, the NBC was just, that was that period before Danny Higginbottom joined NBC and they were, uh, I mean, Tim Howard was really clunky and we we, we talked about it all the time on this show, so I don't need to belabor it, but um, that they had, put more effort into that 10 or 15 minutes to analyze and really promote the importance of this match and the importance of Serie A. So that's a challenge for CBS because those voices, now they've got Del Piero also, but, but, but Marcotti is not, I I, is not leaving ESPN. He's a featured guy at ESPN and he has as great an expertise on that league. as just about anyone. And then they have guys like Klinsman who have played in that league and others that really know that league well Uh, Matteo Bonetti and others.
0: Well, let me me segue, because that segues perfectly into the listener mailbag. And the first question up is from Nick. And Nick says, after acquiring the Serie A rights, do you think CBS will bring on any of the Serie A experts on board? As a Serie A fan, I was rooting for the rights to stay with ESPN because the coverage has been so good, in my opinion. I understand comparisons with the Bundesliga, but ESPN has dedicated multiple uh, analysts, a podcast and Sunday's studio show to Serie I I can't imagine CBS will offer the same treatment. So, yeah, M- Matteo Bonetti, I mean, I mean if, if CBS hasn't called him already, I'm not sure what's going on, but, I mean, he should be the first f- person that, that they call to say, hey, here's somebody who can do co-commentary, but also can do analysis, who can do a podcast. I mean, you can write. I mean, whatever it may be, there's, a, there's a definitely a good ad there who else though Kautik?
1: Uh, that could that could uh Work like, with, uh, yeah who could who, a, a who could out Tater' uh, uh, well- Mateo. I don't know uh I mean you know look Steve Cangelosi has called games before, uh, maybe that's a guy they could call uh he, he uh he he knows that league fairly well um they have uh, uh they have other people who have worked previously at gold TV or or or, or Fox that they could call that uh could probably uh help with a presentation of, of, of uh, But I also think maybe they, uh, they take the world feed. You know, I, I one of the things that um, there are people who tell me they regret that we don't get uh, Banyard uh, uh, and, uh, and Robson, which was a, a every week. Right. Uh, yeah. That's the, that's the uh, Stuart Robson, who also is on ESPN. That's another guy who knows seria really well. That's on ESPN. Um, and, uh, and Steve Banyard are the top English language, for Serie A, I think uh, most of our listeners probably remember remember Steve Banyard from when he called Premier League matches and was a, a featured commentator uh Premier League. He never quite broke into like, that top two or three for some reason, although I, although I think he was rated very highly. He is the number one guy in English globally for, for Serie A now. Um, so that's an intriguing possibility if they don't nab... Uh, a Matteo Benetti for me that maybe you don't you don't hire anyone if, uh, he would be number one on my list if you don't get him may, uh, maybe you you go with those big matches assuming Saria stays with uh, uh, IMG uh, IMG in London calling the matches and it's th- those two Banyard and Robson maybe maybe it's me just my personal preference because I, I like those two guys a great deal and I miss Stuart Robson on Premier League broadcasts, and it's reinforced every single time there's an FA Cup weekend, which we just went through, where Robson is, is a co-commentator for a match. And it's, it's to me, outrageous that, that the Premier League doesn't like using him, but um, you, you will hear more of him if you take the international feed for, for Serie A.
0: Yeah, the challenge that CBS is going to have is trying to find some good talent that are, um, I mean, speak English very well, but also cover that know Serie A inside and out. And and those people are out there, but I mean, they already have um, Fabrizio uh, Romano, the um, the Italian journalist who breaks a lot of transfer rumors, and he's often on CBS Sports HQ, and from time to time some of the, the other CBS coverage. So that's somebody that's from a um, kind of a feet uh, boots on the ground type of thing you could have but um but this will be a good test though for, for cbs because i mean in them acquiring all these rights for all these different leagues from around the world are they going to put in as much effort as espn did are they going to look at this as more of a paramount plus slash espn plus method which is basically get the rights Put them on 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 the uh, streaming service and not have a pregame show, not have a, ha- have a halftime show, not have a post match show. I mean for anyone who's watched whether it's the championship or any other leagues that are on ESPN Plus for the most part we've gotten used to now kind of having having a coffee break at halftime and going a bathroom break or whatever yeah. you know that there's nothing going to be on other than maybe they might show some stats or they might show some uh, some you know highlights or something but it's usually most stuff that we've already seen so this will be a great test to see how much of an effort they're going to put in. Uh, we don't know yet as far as uh, how many of these games will be on television. We'll have to wait and see on that. I, I think that most of them is, are going to be on Paramount. Actually, actually, all of them are going to be on Paramount+. Plus. But the the question is, will some of them be on television? And, and that we don't know yet.
1: The, the ESPN just placed a Gravity Media... Uh, a halftime show for championship. They don't have any.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> the, nothing.
1: The, the thing that gravity media is producing in, in, in shepherd's Bush where they, 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 uh, they broadcast these matches for, they just play the thing through. Now I'm trying to think, yeah, I guess in Bundesliga, they do that too. Come to think of it. Yeah. So they, they, that, that's a very good point that, that, that as much as we all, we've all praised ESPN and, and I've been accused of being overly, uh, uh, praising them too much for the ESPN FC show uh, and 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 their studio coverage and and their rights. That is that is that is correct. In a lot of these cases, they've just seen them as streaming properties. They've thrown them on, and whatever is in, as part of the production uh, from the production company, as I mentioned, Gravity with with the Championship Bundesliga productions with Bundesliga. It just they keep it on. Um, so it's been interesting though, because in Serie A, there've probably been more Serie A matches than any other league, Chris, where they've had. Dan Thomas hosting a halftime show, um, or, or in, in, in some cases, right. Kay Murray or Seb Salazar, but mostly Dan Thomas. So uh, now that we're having, wow. you, you mentioned that, I'm actually realizing on the fly, Chris, they've actually given Serie A a lot more love than maybe they've been given credit for relative to other leagues.
0: Having said that, though Kartik, it's quite possible that they might say, you know what, this this whole um, studio in London thing worked out really well for us with the Champions League. We've made some great contacts. Uh, there's a lot of uh, soccer, football journalists in the the London area. Uh, I mean, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from uh, from Paris or or Berlin or uh, or from um, um, Milan or Rome. They can catch a flight. I mean, I mean, once this whole COVID thing. Uh, things stabilize, but but it could be that they say, I mean, let's go all in. Let's, let's really make this a centerpiece of our uh, coverage. Uh, in addition to the Champions League, it, it kind of feeds right into that. But let's go in, ahead and uh, look at uh, AC Jimbo uh, from the Guardian podcast, or well, formerly the Guardian podcast, and see, okay, somebody who's, uh has a lot of knowledge about um, the league, Let's take uh, Ian Joy. Ian Joy, kind of a, a world football uh, connoisseur, somebody that understands and watches. you mean, know, of course, a German expert, but also uh, I'm sure is watching the Italian leagues too. So, And then I'm sure there's many, many other people that we can think of. I mean, Ian's in uh, New York, but in the London area, if they wanted to, to go ahead, or, or in Europe, if they wanted to go down that path, that's a possibility. And yeah, I know, I, that was I know sure the effort.
1: The Man- we both know a guy in the Manchester area that... that- at one time, knew Serie A better than anyone uh, in Simon Evans. So that would be an intriguing one also, Yeah. our our mutual friend Simon Evans.
0: Right, somebody that covered uh, Milan for many years and interviewed uh, Ancelotti and, uh, I mean, wrote a book about about, uh, his travels in Europe uh, following that league very closely. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's possibilities. I'm sure there's a bunch of other names, too, that we're not thinking of right this second uh, that could be a good fit for that coverage if they want to. and then they could use the world feed for most of the broadcasts and, and then have some key commentators for the big games. Next up is... Uh, and we're going to jump all over the place a little bit here. But next up is Ted. And this, this question is probably a good one for you, Kartik. I'd love to get your thoughts on the potential Belgium-Netherlands league merger. I doubt that UEFA and FIFA would sanction it, but do you think there is a possibility it could actually happen? On the surface, it seems nice and like a good idea, but is it a slippery slope? If that, if that merger is allowed to happen, then why not a La Liga-Ligue 1 merger or a uh, Premier League-Bundesliga merger? And does that start inching towards a European Super League? I'm also very interested to see how this could affect a potential Liga, Liga MX MLS merger. Gianni Infantino, FIFA president, was recently asked... And was talking up that idea, but wouldn't it be, uh, wouldn't it not be fair to allow a Mexico USA combined league, but not a Belgium Netherlands version? Now, Karthik, yeah. you, you, well you and I, when we talked about this last week, kind of just uh, I think during our break, we, we had a, a short chat, and we talked about that the Belgian Pro League and the Eredivisie, uh, if they did merge together. That'd be really exciting. I'd be looking forward to seeing that.
1: I would, too. I mean, I'd really be looking forward to seeing it. Uh, Unfortunately, um, we're in a position where uh, Infantino and FIFA, I have to restate this, have now realigned themselves from the European continent to uh, the the, the places where they're getting corporate money, the United States, uh, China, China. And the Middle East, those are really kind of the three epicenters now of FIFA power. So Infantino is likely to have one attitude toward a uh, something involving the U.S. and Mexican federations, both of whom are, are close allies of his, and something uh, uh, involving other federations. The Dutch Federation has actually been a, a pretty uh, vocal critic of FIFA and fifa's governance i and i Mm -hmm. agree with the dutch on that but i I think that you might see some politics here where they try and obstruct uh the netherlands or england or or, you know the countries that have been the leading critics which have really been uh, netherlands england uh uh, france spain uh germany uh, even italy infantino is italian but even the italian federation uh, i can tell you based on my own uh some of my own sources they're not very comfortable with the direction he's taking FIFA. So they may, they, they, they may have a complete double standard and allow this cross-border uh, league in, in North America in, in, or in the interest of, quote, growing the game, while they'll say, well, the game's established in Belgium and, and Netherlands. You know, Belgium's the number one uh, national team in the world currently, right? So why do they need the help? That, so that's my concern. Would it be hypocritical? Absolutely. But I'm concerned that they're going to be hypocritical because FIFA is not uh, consistent. And what we now have learned – and I I was right in the middle of this, so I'm hoping I'm not speaking out of school and giving any – breaking anyone's confidence here – but what we have learned is FIFA on the issue of promotion and relegation will apply one standard to, 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 to uh, countries on the European continent and countries like India and Australia that are not necessarily playing ball uh, as much with FIFA's leadership. And they will apply a different standard towards the United States and Mexico who are playing ball with FIFA's leadership. So. Uh, I, I I I've just dealt with that in the last few years, so I, I don't have very much confidence that uh, they're gonna uh, they're going to be consistent. And I think they, if they're going to screw anyone, they will school, screw the Dutch and the Belgians in this.
0: Yeah, going back to what uh, Ted asked too about uh, whether this would be a slippery slope. I don't I don't think so. I think it's one of those things that uh, if it makes economic sense, business sense for the the Dutch league and the Belgium league to try to make that happen and uh down the road after those rights deals expire that they could actually get more money for their uh global TV rights deals uh from a joint league that that's a possibility now that that would require sanctioning from uh UEFA and or, or FIFA to make that happen but um i don't think it's a slippery slippery slope and it, and again a lot of it too depends on the uh on the uh the fifas and uefas of the world if they actually would go ahead and approve those things Next up is Aaron Motes. Aaron says, coming from your discussion on the lack of American voices on soccer commentary in the U.S., I've always enjoyed listening to Dave Johnson's play-by-play of D.C. United games on their local affiliate. And, um, yeah, Dave Johnson is somebody I've heard a few times. Uh, Not enough, really, because it's it's very rare that from a national uh, audience that we get to actually hear his uh, commentaries but I have in the past and and I thought they were pretty good.
1: Yeah. I used to subscribe to the MLS, uh, package uh for years yeah i so i and and uh i would have to admit for most of that time dc was my preferred team i didn't have a a team after uh the florida teams were contracted i didn't have a favorite team but the team i was following was dc united so uh, because it was the only other city left in the in, in in mls at the time that i had a connection to so i i've heard a lot of dave johnson i agree i think he's i think he's he's actually quite good um but he's uh, I, I I think he's somebody who uh, his, his commentary style maybe is not he's um, not what they're they're particularly looking for now he um developed I would say a very good kind of uh, soccer commentary style right Mm -hmm. but now they're looking for more uh, fox because he and he did some stuff for fox fox is now looking for more americanized voices dave johnson is obviously americanized he's obviously american but he's more like traditional soccer commentary what you and i would enjoy right more than maybe some of the audience fox is trying to cultivate so i noticed he hasn't been doing that stuff for fox for for quite some time it appears I, i don't remember the last time i saw him on fox maybe women's world cup in 15 maybe it was
0: Wow, maybe, maybe, yeah. And, and and what you're saying too about Fox is it's just more the talkative, you mean talking to, during a game, talking about stats and mentioning things that have nothing to do with the game in front of you that you're watching, that you're trying to tell the commentator to shut up, <laughs> talk about the game, focus on the game, that something's happening right here that we need to talk about. Uh, Next up is Bill Reese. Bill says, uh, which is very helpful, he says, another note on the Argentine League from last week's podcast. I think the hiccup with Paramount Plus could be that this ongoing league season in Argentina isn't technically the league. And it's talking about some of the games that have been played in Argentina in the last few weeks. It's sort of a hybrid League Cup competition to fill the calendar. They did a similar thing last fall, winter, with the Copa Liga Professional, which I think was renamed the Copa Diego Maradona after his death. This current tournament is basically the Copa Diego Part 2 and is split into two 13-team Team groups playing a round-robin robin's schedule and one rivalry game against the club in the other group. The group winners then advance to a playoff. The real Argentine league, the Superliga Argentina, which actually was the old name, I think the new name is uh, now back to the Argent uh, Argentine Primera Division, is set to kick off this weekend. And I suspect that when um, Paramount will begin their coverage. Uh, it'll start up then, which it will. Uh, Starts this weekend. Confused? Yeah, that's Argentine domestic football for you. They basically restructure the league every couple of seasons. Wouldn't want it to get too boring down there, which is very true. It's very difficult to stay on top of all the different changes happening. Uh, but thankfully, with Paramount Plus, uh, beginning the broadcast this weekend. And uh, for listeners, if you are interested, if you don't have uh, Paramount Plus, they do offer a annual plan um and at least for a limited time and it's 50 percent off so um for the first year so you can get it for half price but uh starting this weekend is that and you got uh, boca juniors river plate um playing their games etc cetera, etc cetera. Fetchin says uh, once the world cup rights are up in 2026 will the world cup by any chance be moved to streaming and if so who will get it uh, if I knew the answer to that Fetchin, I'd I'd probably be a millionaire. It, it's At that point, I guess the question is, is how long is television is going to be the main distribution method for um, sports in general? And um, 2026, I would think we're still watching games on television. Not as much, but um, so who will get the, right, the rights? Uh, who knows? I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people interested. Chris Guardino says, uh, "Great podcast once again. When it comes to Reese Davis hosting the Euro Euro 2020 on ESPN this summer." I think that's an excellent choice because he's the jack of all trades at ESPN and has done well with each sport he has covered for them over the years. I also totally agree with Kartik about the lack of opportunities for American commentators being a major hurdle in their development. And the example of Kobe Jones is a good one because when he isn't doing games for Fox, he's the main co-commentator for men's college soccer On the Pac-12 network. However, the Pac-12 season only runs from September to late October, meaning that the rest of the year he's doing other things unless Fox decides to use him. I find him very informative and commentary, and it's a shame he isn't used more by Fox. Lastly, I have a question for either either of you about Liga MX. Do you see in the future Liga MX having a similar TV streaming deal that the Premier League or MLS has? in which two one or two networks have the rights to the games instead of the current model in which each club has their own tv streaming deal what do you think artic is is, uh, is that possible would that is that going to happen for liga liga max
1: is it, I mean, I think it's practical. Is it going to happen? No. I mean, the clubs have not wanted to give up control. And here's the reason. Although, again, the US market, maybe they could. Here's the reason the television networks in Mexico all have interests. No, I shouldn't say all. Um, there, there are several clubs in Mexico that are that have uh, ownership with the television networks uh, this was a problem I, I think people who are newer fans of the Premier League may not realize that one of the things that got the Premier League off the ground was Sky buying buying uh, shares and, and, and buying percentages of, of, of many of the Premier League clubs uh, so for example when even when uh, um, the takeover happened in Manchester City uh, one of the parties that had to sell was was B Sky B you know British Sky Broadcasting had to sell their their, their portion of, of the club um, their minority shares in the clubs there there that situation still is a uh, a a, uh, a prominent thing in Mexican football and it also explains some of the affiliations when you get to US and who has the US rights for certain things so untangling that um, but, you know, it can be untangled. I mean, once upon a time, there were, there were these sorts of things in Italy also, uh, with right, Milan Spain. and Berlusconi, and, and we've had some things in Spain, and they've untangled the majority of these commitments in those countries. I just don't know if it'll happen in Mexico. Mexico, I think the broadcasters have an enormous amount of power.
0: I agree, Karthik. And I, and I think the other thing, too, is that the, the clubs oh. are all – running off in different directions so they're all not on uh, uh, kind of reading from the same hymn sheets like for example the premier league um premier league does the tv deals directly with you mean the different uh, broadcasters so they're having discussions with nbc i'm sure they're talking to espn and cbs and anyone else who's interested who's a major player but it's not uh, 20 different teams having you mean countless number of uh, conversations with uh, broadcasters and trying to do their own deals um, i just don't the, see it happening anytime soon the,
1: the other thing i have to point about mexico that that um, maybe a lot of our listeners aren't aware of uh that the clubs in mexico also control the federation. It's like kind of backwards from what you you know. The FA isn't always getting along with the Football League or or the Premier League. Uh, I mean, they tend to get along better with the Premier League than they do with the Football League. But and Germany, there have been Germany. There's now kind of a unified purpose, but there have been disputes in the past. Spain, there, Spain's constantly right now. Uh, the Spanish Federation and La Liga are not getting along at all. Uh, The federation in Mexico is actually controlled by the clubs. The club presidents exert most of the influence on the federation. Uh, You could argue that happens in the U.S. too, right, with MLS. It's just less direct. Um, But so that's another impediment. In, in Mexican football in terms of broadcast rights. These same clubs that are pulling in 20 different di- directions, 18 different directions, 20 different directions, are also controlling their federation, which means the federation will never step in like they have in some of these other countries and said, okay, in order to market our product better, you need a unified television deal, unified streaming deal. That will never happen in Mexico because the clubs control the federation. Mexico is very different in how, how it operates. And there is, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, very club centric uh, model and uh, some people you know for me, I, I kind of appreciate that too uh, that the Federation doesn't over overrun the leagues but the leagues actually run, uh, control the Federation.
0: Next up is Hans. And Hans says, uh, sports events are a factor now for the networks to get subscribers to their streaming services. So I am okay with having several services to get my sports fix. What I don't like is that you have to go to different platforms like Linear TV plus a streaming app. Biggest Offender, Comcast Cable Channel plus Peacock best distribution, not necessarily the broadcast content. Uh, Paramount Plus, as they did with the uh, Classico and ABC plus the streaming platform. Not like Comcast uh, does their Premier League broadcasts butch- butchered up to aggra- ag- aggravate those that want streaming. Hopefully, the Premier League rights will land somewhere else. And if their loss of Peacock income uh, plus drop in cable patch- package subscribers is an indication. There is hope that they will lose it, and I think that's one of the biggest criticisms about NBC's coverage of the Premier League, and it's probably something that is a kind of almost like a, like a subtext, something that's kind of uh, behind the scenes that uh, I think most of us feel, but we often kind of don't really talk about that much. Uh, but we hear, and and that is is that. Um, You mean that it has become more expensive to watch the Premier League, and and you require a lot more uh, options to go ahead and watch the Premier League. So in the past, in the beginning, you would have had to have NBCSN, um, and then through your cable provider or a satellite provider, which would have given you access to all the games through streaming. Now you're paying for streaming uh, for some. Well, almost half of the games, and then you're paying for the other half of those games. You're paying, you mean Comcast or, or Fubo or whoever it is. So I think that's that's an undertone um, that Hans is talking about too. Where it's a, it's an undercurrent. It is something that, that is very tangible, um, but we often don't talk about it. Gizinho says, uh, Thank you for expanding on my point regarding whomever wins the next Premier League contract should, n- should next pursue the FA Cup and the Championship for supplemental English football coverage. That would give a real opportunity for the fans of relegated Premier League clubs to still follow the club's state side. We all know about the FA Cup final signifying the close of the season at Wembley, but arguably the Championship playoff finals are a great lead-in to the next season as well with respect to the match intensity between the clubs obtaining the last promotion place to the Premiership. Uh, To respond to the commentator debate, I'm really surprised Phil Shane wasn't mentioned. Despite being American, he has put in an an enormous amount of work and research behind the scenes to ensure he is just as effective of a footy broadcaster as one would expect from someone across the pond whose focus and specialty in football is 24-7. But the lack of effective American broadcasters, not always their fault since the focus on American sports come and go depending on the time of the year. In England and other footballing nations, the dedication is almost year round. And that is why I listen to talk sport on my free time. Yeah, good points there. And um, yeah, I mean, the FA Cup and the championship would make sense for Peacock. I mean, it, it would be a great compliment they can talk about, you uh, I mean the promotion race, the relegation um, race to try to avoid relegation, the FA Cup. It does. It's more of a natural fit, um, but it's something that they hardly ever talk about. It's something that's not going to generate a lot of viewers or subs- subscribers, um, but it is a way to grow that Peacock product to make it more attractive. I, th- I think they should go for it if they're not already. So I, I agree there, Jozinho. Uh, jesus says one huge advantage of having commentators and analysts from the same country as the leagues they cover is that they have a better historical perspective of the teams that is why nbc sn is so good because most of the studio people know the premier league well and know the teams well and often use their knowledge of a team's past to good use good point there Uh, Roberto says, going back to one of the first English football commentators on TV for me, it was Toby Charles, who hosted Soccer Made in Germany starting in about 1976. I cannot remember who did the NASL Seattle Sounders games. Their rebirth in uh, MLS was about Oliver White's first exposure to U.S. audiences. I had left Seattle by then, but heard heard him on full-game replays. Maybe that's why he remains one of my favorites. He may uh, have been a better play-by-play commentator commentator back then. Dave Roberts says, I'm curious about something and would like to get your opinion on it. Basically, I remember reading once that the hockey's uh, biggest problem is that the average hockey fan only cares about their local team and only cares about the rest of the league in the playoffs. Global hockey is really only a thing during the Olympics. With all due due respect to the various hockey leagues across Europe, that said, I wonder if the same can be said about MLS. Speaking entirely anecdotally, here in Seattle, whenever I go to my favorite soccer bars, uh, people are always. Uh, packed in for Sounders games, but you'd be hard-pressed to see anyone when a random MLS game is on. However, the same fans will watch any European match uh, just because uh, because it's on. In other words, I think it's fair to say your average American fan is a fan of the European game and a fan of their local team. While uh, the rest of the teams in that respective league don't seem to matter, I'd be especially curious to hear Kartik's opinion on the matter because of his first hand experience with the US lower divisions. That said, personally, it seems to, to me like the older I get, I am becoming less and less interested in your random soccer game unless one of my favorite teams is playing, except for really, really big matches.
1: Yeah, so Dave, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Maybe it was probably several years ago, but I was in Orlando for an Orlando City MLS match. And I was hanging around with the supporters group with the Ruckus. And Orlando played their match. It was a mid afternoon uh, match on, I think it was the ESPN game. And then there was an FS1 game after, which included Seattle, by the way. And. I thought I was doing my duty after the match when I went back to the to the to the bar with these guys saying hey uh let's watch um Let's watch the Seattle, I think it was Seattle and Kansas City, SKC and, and and the Sounders. And they were all laughing at me. They were literally making fun of me like, well, do you have a tape of this morning's Bundesliga match? Let's throw that on. I think somebody actually asked, like, if you have a DVR of the Bayern match, this if we want to watch soccer, let's watch that. Um, and I remember Bayern was – this uh, FS. This was already after Fox had gotten the Bundesliga rights, So um, – It it, it, it was a wake up call to me and they were all kind of making fun of me for wanting to watch this additional MLS game. And then I started talking to them and they like, we don't care about the rest of the league. We don't care. We don't care about those teams. We don't like the, we don't like MLS. We, we like soccer and we're in Orlando. So we like, we love Orlando city. Um, but if we're going to watch soccer, we're going to watch the, the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga or whatever. It was a eye-opener to me. And then I started seeing more of that. But that was like the – and I think I told the story before, Chris, on this podcast many years ago when it happened, that it, it just absolutely opened my eyes to this thing that there's no um, – while soccer journalists and some of the people in our kind of soccer vacuum uh, on Twitter make MLS into a cause and you'll see Revolution fans championing watching the Galaxy against the Quakes, in general, MLS fans – uh, are fans of their club and they don't care about um, they don't care about the rest of the league and, and I and I saw I've seen more many more examples of that since then but that was the eye opener for me that that particular incident
0: and for major league soccer that that's, that's a dangerous um, circumstance because it's one of those things that, you I mean we know that the TV ratings aren't, aren't the greatest. Um, we know that relatively depending on which way you look at it're they 're plateauing or maybe uh slightly up in some places, but for the most part it 's been a challenge and it, it is one of those things it 's such a huge country there 's so many teams um and and that 's you I mean when you have soccer fans who are only watching the the local team um, that doesn 't give you much of an impact to a like a nationwide t v audience so if you 're a if you're, I don't know, CBS or if you're a um, TNT or whoever it may be and you want to, uh, yeah, you know, you're interested in the rights to get MLS, but you want to find out, OK, well, if we have a, uh, I don't know, Colorado against Sporting Kansas City game on, you mean, what's the expe- the expectation of the, the viewing numbers for this? Let's go back into uh, the Nielsen ratings and see how that did last season. And it might have been if you were lucky to have it even on television, uh, on a national broadcast. It would probably be less than hundred thousand people. So you could have a I don't know an infomercial on there and, and have a greater viewing number uh, for that. So 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 that's the challenge. And and yeah, Dave, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, that's one of the things that um, it doesn't change overnight. And to try to cultivate uh, an audience to follow a league, it's really difficult. Especially if you're, you I mean, if you live in Kansas City and you're a Sporting Kansas City fan, why should you be interested in watching LA Galaxy or Seattle Sounders or whoever it may be? Um, in the past, it would have been, or currently still, it would be okay if there's any big stars or any big talking points. But MLS has been down that road so many times before that that doesn't make any difference really to to the TV ratings. Bring in, in, in a Stephen Gerrard or bring in in Wayne Rooney or whoever it may be um it comes down to to me what i think really is quality football and the league has grown so big that there's so many teams that it's it's more challenging to to be a fan of major league soccer and to stay on top of all those teams i mean they, it, that that's the other jeopardy of kind of this overexpansion is it reduces the quality of the football of the soccer and it makes it less likely that uh, you, you're going to gr- grow a national footprint. So there's a lot of worrying signs here, and, and especially with MLS going into uh, next year, having their TV deal uh, and that, that bidding process for that next TV deal. The likelihood is that uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of interested parties out there willing to put in tons of money. Um, but having that deal connected to the U.S. national team, both on the women's side and the men's side, that's really the exciting factor. That's the thing that really will interest a, a CBS or a TNT or a Fox, etc. So having said that, uh, Karthik, uh, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on com. Thank you, everyone, for your listener mailbag. We had uh, two weeks' worth of letters, so it was quite a lot. Uh, and then two more things, actually, I forgot to mention. One is we have the uh, recipient. Uh, we were ready to announce the winner of the $100 gift card to World Soccer Shop. So congratulations to Matthew Schlemmer, who filled out the survey and gave us some great feedback about the podcast. And Matthew's name was picked out at random. Uh, so we'll send him a $100 gift card. And last but not least, Karthik, there was one more TV rating I wanted to mention too that we uh, skipped over, and that was the um, Superclassico. And that was Telemundo's coverage of uh, Liga MX's Superclassico featuring Chivas against uh, Club America, and that delivered an average of 1.7 million total viewers on Telemundo and Universo um, a couple of weeks ago. So great numbers yeah. there.
1: And and we didn't do a show last week, so I, I didn't get my my uh, uh, commentary in on this. I'll be very brief, Chris. I was not uh, thrilled with how Telemundo I, – I thought it they, they, they was substandard compared to what I'm used to on Univision for the same match. In what way, so, though? Um, they, 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 I think some of the camera work wasn't as good. I think the commentary the, – and again, my Spanish is kind of off the commentary – was uh, – I kind of labored, you know, and, 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 uh, I, I, I love Andres Contour, uh, but it, it wasn't, it just, it, maybe I'm just used to Univision for this game. Uh, and the, the Chivas home games have been off of, uh, uh, off of television for a while. And I've been watching, uh, Univision for the, uh, for the game matches that are the, uh, um, the, the america home matches but i, I um I, I thought i it just didn't feel the same maybe it's just you're used to a network covering a, a, a big match same thing happens when their rights i guess in american sports when uh the rights nbc covered the NBA and it went to abc maybe the very first match was the very first game people thought was awkward but i i mm-hmm. i and i shared my thoughts with like a couple of people in the industry and and they they didn't they didn't push back as hard as i thought they would so uh, anyway that was just my yeah my analysis.
0: And, I, and i think too a little bit of this too at least for me would be that uh when you have these major games so if it's a game that's being played at wembley stadium and it's i don't know league cup final right um yeah. and it's a game that you're used to having ninety thousand fans in the stadium and those fans are just a part as much a part of that game as the players are and then you have a game that's, I mean, there's no one there, right? Other than the players and right. staff. Right, it's on
1: another network too, and it's on another network. That, that might be part of it, yeah.
0: Right, right, definitely. All right, Kantic, so, so heading into another weekend of football from around the world. Um, what should they do?
1: Enjoy your football.